Welcome to the Leadership Sensei Radio. I'm your host, Brett Morrison, and look, I thought I'd do something a little bit different with the intro this week. So this is a small business podcast where we do explore all things to do with small business and leadership. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down with a good friend of mine, Sean Brewster, and look, we were just having a pizza and talking about all things business, and particularly around our business and some of the things that we'd been doing. And look, that particular day, I've been running a workshop for a group of young engineers. Uh, They're doing some professional development work in their leadership space. And I was talking about the concept of how you can change your mindset and also develop it into a more positive frame, but also organizationally, how we can use this changing mindset to for the good of cultural change. And part of that is creating a common language. So I've, I've been running this workshop now for many, many years. And what I find is it creates a new common language, which is part of this whole changing the culture. So when I talk about culture in a workplace, it's about the way we do things around here. And that's really the culture that will embed itself. So as a leader, if you're not instilling the culture and driving it from the front, your workforce will do it for you. So part of running this workshop and a part around it's about this model that we call above and below the line thinking. It's about rewiring our mind and creating a new mindset. But what it does, it creates a new lexicon for people to call each other's behavior. And so doing starts shaping the culture of the organization around, hey, this is the type of behavior that we expect from our peers. And this is the accountability that we're going to hold you to if you start going below the line. So with that in mind, let's not hold it back anymore. Let's dive into it. If you like it, please let me know. If you like the intro and the change that I've made into it, please let me know. Give me the feedback because at the end of the day, it's you, the listeners, that are driving the show and makes it enjoyable and fun for me to do. So if you're a first-time listener, welcome along. I'd like to say a big shout-out to my listener in the UK. Last week, I had someone from the UK dial in and listen in. So thank you very much for that. If you're back again this week, thanks very much for coming along. And for my listeners over in the United States, Canada... Germany and Japan. Thank you very much for listening in. Also over in New Zealand and for my home all my homegrown listeners in down under. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Catch you on the other side. Hey everyone, Sean here. I'm sitting down with my friend Brett Morrison once again, purely because I want to pick his brain on a topic that I know he's very, very passionate about, which is a concept he calls, and I think maybe he stole the audio from someone else, I'm not yeah, sure. I have. You have, okay. Yeah. Above the line thinking, which the, the first time I saw that him present this was probably about five or six years ago at a college we were both teaching at, and it struck me as such a really good way to uh, describe or display a, a type of psychology that we all should have in our lives because it, it forces you to make a decision between average and great, or good and bad, or kind of any kind of extreme, but when you recognize that there is an option to take in every situation this above the line or below the line thinking concept just seems to make so much sense to me. So Brett, can you first of all, just tell us what the idea is and how we can use it maybe in our lives? Yeah, sure, Sean. Thanks. Thanks for having us along. So this whole model around above the line, below the line thinking is about mindset. So there's a part of our brain, which I think is called the amygdala. I'll get that word right. And it's hardwired for us to find danger. So fight or flight. So they say that part of the brain is three times bigger than the part that looks for good things in our life because obviously the danger is the stuff that would kill us in the, that makes in, sense. In the past. Yeah, avoid a- the danger. Absolutely. Yep. 
So in some ways, we are actually hardwired to, to find the, the negative things that happen in life. That explains so many people. It does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so when we look at the above line and below the line, and unfortunately, people on the podcast can't see me doing my hand movements here because okay. um, they make so much more sense when I'm doing the hand motions. Um, obviously, the line in the middle. So we talk about the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule. Yep. And look, my belief is that, and that's based upon a decade of doing organizational change, um, doing organizational analysis and, and working in, in the culture space, is that probably about 80% of the people sit on the line. So they can be swayed either way uh, to being right. positive or negative. And so really when I talk about above the line things, so above the line would be the people who look at life positively and below the line is the, is the negative side of it. And there's no right or wrong in that, but choosing how long you spend in the negative space can actually have a big impact on not, not just your thought process, but also your health. Yeah, and your friendships and the people that you hang around with. So it actually has a fairly large, well, I think, a significant impact. Yeah. So. So what you're saying is about eighty percent of the population is an average person who sits somewhere between the two extremes of great and and not so great. Yeah. And then they'll swing between the two depending on their mindset at the time, yep. their environment they're in, pressures that are placed upon them, whatever. And more than likely, who they're hanging out with. Okay. So how big of a factor is that? Do you think? I think I think it's huge. So especially for those people that are on the line, if they hang out with someone that's super positive or they go to work and there's a really proactive team, they'll get sucked into that and they'll become very proactive in that space. Right. But then they might go home and there might be a family member who's very negative. Mm. And I will say, you know, misery loves company. So the people who are below the line will recruit. And when I say recruit, they actively recruit. Because you'll go to work and you'll be gossip. So gossip is one of those things that sits below yes, the line. 100%. Have you heard what Mary's doing? Oh, can you believe she's wearing those shoes? Oh, can you believe that guy's wearing that tie? Like, oh, look at the way he's wearing his hair. He's, he's obviously, you know, doing something. So they want to recruit people into that space. Yeah. Whereas people who are above the line, I don't believe actively recruit. So if I get back to the numbers about 80-20, so obviously we talk about 80 people, 80% of people being sort of like on the line, sort of swinging. Yep. Um, we know from success research that about 5% of people are constantly successful. Okay. which leaves about 15% that I believe, and I think these numbers are fairly accurate, that sit actively below the line constantly. Right, so the odds are against the vast majority of the population, really. I believe so. To be <laughs> an effective, positive, con contribu contributing yeah. member of society. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of it comes down to... That sounds like a very negative outlook on life, Brett. Are you a below-the-line thinker? Sometimes. <laughs> and, and to be honest, I think we all are. Like yeah. At some point, we, we, we do spend time in both. Right. And there are days that you... Um, wake up and you know life happens so life isn't always easy no. uh, life will throw challenges at us but it's how long we choose to spend there and part of the above and the below the line is about results being above the line so yep. it's a focus and then the reasons why we don't get success sits below the line it's about below the line people react people above the line respond so it's in that gap so there's that gap between stimulus and response, I think as Viktor Frankl said, is, a, is our power to choose. Okay. So while we can't control a thought that comes into our minds, we can control our response to that thought. Okay. And this is where we get the power back. So sometimes you can be sitting there, you wake up in the morning and you get this negative thought. Okay, we can't control it. But we can control how we respond to that. And part of that is going, hmm, Okay, I don't want to focus on that today. And this is around setting intentions. So one of the things around the model is it's great to understand some of the behaviors that sit below than the things that sit above, but 
how do we actually move from that space of being negative? How do we move from the space of justifying why we haven't got the results we want? How do we move from blaming people for the things that happen to us? And how do we move from being an external locus of control to an internal locus of control? And part of that's about setting intentions. Okay. So uh, we have these transitions through the day. So one of those transitions is when we wake up in the morning. So when we wake up and we're getting ready in the morning, I'm not too sure if this works for you, but I know I think about a lot of things when I'm in the shower. Yep. If I had a waterproof notebook, yes. it'd be great. Yes. Because I could just write all these things out about... And we quite often do in that time when we're having a shower, we're cleaning our teeth. Mm -hmm. We think about what, what we got planned for the day. Yep. So if you set your intentions early in the day, like you said, you know, in one of our other conversations about... you. You know what your day's going to be because you plan what the outcome's going to be at yeah, the start of the day. create that picture early on. You do. Yep. So if we can set those intentions early, we go, okay, well, thank you for sharing that because it's actually the ego that's keeping us safe by sending us these negative ideas because it keeps us safe. Okay. So it's the whole fight and flight. Has a danger coming in? I must yep. either run, freeze, or, or, fight, or, or it. fight it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, but today I'm focusing on what my outcome is. Yeah. And then you, you physically say what your outcome's going to be. It's an empowering place to come from, isn't it? It is. When you can actively and consciously make a decision to do this or the other thing. Yes. As opposed to just responding, or sorry, reacting yeah. to reacting. something. Reacting, yeah. And going, well, this has happened, therefore I now must be like this. Yep. Okay. Um, so you talked about, you know, setting your day up from the start so that you've got this positive intention, you've, you've set yourself up for success. Yeah. And you mentioned that the people you surround yourself make up a big part of that environment for creating that success for yourself. I'm a huge believer in this and, and I know my, the number of my close friend group over yeah. the years has shrunk. Yes. And I, I probably, I'd be guessing yours has also. It has. It's not just because we get old and our friends die, but it's... <laughs> you know you're in trouble when you start <laughs> checking the obituaries that's right. in the paper, don't you? Yeah. But it's you start to selectively choose the people you spend time with because you recognize those above... I, I'm, I'm almost certain that now that you put it like this or phrase it this way that... I try to surround myself with above-the-line thinkers. I might not be doing it consciously, but no. if you're listening to this and you're a friend that I spend time with, well, then congratulations, you're an above-the-line <laughs> thinker because yeah. I think I'm doing that. I'm finding and seeking out those people and spending more time with them. Yeah. Um, and I think it makes so much sense. You know, misery loves company. Success loves a tribe. I think it just loves it, more it of does. the same around it. Yeah, and I think that's... So that leads on from where I talked about before where... The people who are below the line, so the negative people, where they actively recruit, I think above the line people, sometimes they can come across arrogant and people think that they're living in utopia or they're, they're Pollyanna because everything's positive and all that yeah. sort of stuff, but it's not. It's What I find in that space is that most people are successful or working towards being successful. They're seeing opportunity they're, first. They do. So instead yep. of seeing problems below the line, they see opportunity, which is above the line. Right. Um, they're very generous. I find that the people above the line are very generous with their time. And what they do, instead of recruiting, they're happy to help people who they see making the effort. So if they can see you making the effort from moving from below the line and creating those opportunities and seeing opportunities and doing everything you can to be a better version of yourself, they will take you on a journey. Yeah. They won't take you on their journey. They'll let you take your journey, but they will provide guidance along the way. Gotcha. And there's a big difference. Whereas the people below the line, they want you to recruit to their journey journey yeah they want to tell you about their misery you can share your misery too but mm. let's keep let's keep it about them right because you know they have a whole identity wrapped around being a victim and all that sort of stuff whereas above the line they be, move from being a victim to having their hero's journey and they become their own hero of their own journey 
And so they don't want you to be part of their journey. They want you to be, they want you to create your journey. Your own, yeah, absolutely. Your and they want you to be successful in your right. They don't want you to be successful off them. Gotcha. They want you to be successful because you've put the work in. I understand. Yeah, because they want to see, as a reflection of them, essentially. Absolutely. They want to see more of that success. Yeah. So I, I had this thought in my head the other day that I think sits well with this, which is whatever, whatever you're doing in your daily life, and this is coming back to a practical question for you, but <clears throat> everything you do in your daily life, if, if I don't know what to do in a situation and I ask myself or, or say to myself, whatever you choose, it has to raise your own standard. Yep. That for me is above the line thinking. Yes. So if I'm not sure how I'm going to respond to something, whether I should take up an opportunity or how I'm going to react to something that happens in a day-to-day life, uh, or maybe react not the right word, respond to something. Um, if the response or if the action is raising the standard that I accept for myself in my life, I think that's maybe a good way to position myself above the line. Yeah. So what's something practical that people can do? For me, it is think what is raising my standard. What's something people can do that would be practical to make sure that they stay above the line in day-to-day life? So one of the things that we talk about is comfort zones. Okay. And... It's, it's funny that you bring this point up because I was, I was listening to a guy this morning talk exactly about this. So below the line, I believe people stay in their comfort zone because it's safe and that's where our ego wants to keep us because it, you know, it's good for us to feel safe. Above the line, they feel they're willing to embrace being uncomfortable. So one of the things that I heard is actually literally on the, in the car on the way to work this morning was the guy has a choice. So if, if he thinks about doing 10 burpees versus 20 burpees, the fact that he's already thought about the uncomfortable one, he'll do the uncomfortable. Right. So he gets comfortable being uncomfortable. I understand. Yeah, which is about, if I want to grow, I need to fail. I need to push my limits to work out where the limit is. You'll never find a limit until you push it. Yeah. And you can't grow. It's like a muscle. Like You need to stretch the muscle. Mm. You need to essentially do some damage to the muscle for it to grow. Yeah. It's, you know... I was saying, you're either green and growing or you're dead and dying. Yep. So you need to keep stretching. You need to keep failing. You can stagger those. You don't need to do big fails, by the way. Test early, small failures, and learn along the way. So constantly feel, be happy to be uncomfortable. Get outside your comfort zone. Do something that you wouldn't normally be comfortable doing. Yeah, and I think the analogy of the, will I do 10 burpees or will I do 20? The fact that you even thought of 20 yep. means that you should absolutely go for 20. Absolutely. If you've considered it even as a slight possibility that you could yep. even imagine it, then you have to at least try. Yeah. Because the alternative is uh, regret. Yes. So one of the things I'm, you know, I've talked with you recently about is the whole idea of cold water immersion. So mm. I'm sitting at home going, oh, do I go for a swim today? I can't, I have to go for a swim because, because thought of it. I've already thought about it. Yes. And it would be easy for me to go, okay, I'm the only one crazy enough in my family to go down the beach and go for a swim. I know the water is only going to be 14 degrees. Mm-hmm. But I know that I've thought about it. Yes. I know that it's yep. going to make me uncomfortable. You then have to live with the fact that you didn't uh, do it. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. And, and, so, and even though you know it, it will be good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. But you get get comfortable being uncomfortable, yeah. And you know um, that comes to back to this whole below the line, above the line. So below the line, I'll I'll make reasons, I'll justify mm. why I haven't done it. Yes. But moving above the line, you just be accountable, and I think you need to be real. I think that's the hardest thing for people to do is not lie to themselves. 
So being above the line, we stop we stop lying to ourselves. We tell ourselves lies about so many things about why we can't do this, why we can't do that, why we shouldn't do X. You know, oh, it's getting late. I probably should go to bed. And not saying that people shouldn't sleep, by the way. You know, there, there is... It's important. That, that is important. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just because it's easy. Yeah. And so you need to go, okay, am I doing this because it's easy? Or am I doing it because I genuinely need to recover? Right. You know, so... Choose the uncomfortable path. Yeah. Do you think then that for the sake of balance that people need to spend a certain amount of time above and below the line? Because if you're constantly going to the uncomfortable place, yeah, does that then mean, and I don't necessarily agree with a yes on this answer or a no, yeah. you just go t- tell me whichever way you want to go here, but do people also also need to be comfortable with doing the, the easy thing, the not positive thing, the gossipy thing, the you know the negative thing? in some situations. Is that something we need? I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah, look, um, I think there's four levels of, of thinking and I'm going to go down a slight rabbit hole. Go for I it. hope you got time. I do have time. Okay, so level one is about doing the things that don't feel good for us, but we know are good for us okay. and good for the greater good. So that's definitely above the line. Above the line. Yep. Um, and that's where we learn new skills. You, know, you, you can't be good at something without first not being good at it and it doesn't feel good. Right. The next level to that, actually, I'll stand corrected. So the number one one, it does feel good, is good for us and yes. is good for the greater good. Okay. The second one, yep. which is what I just said before, doesn't feel good, Right. is good for us, is good for the greater good. Okay, so it's challenging, but we know it's good. Yeah. It's eating the veggies yeah. we don't want to eat, even though they, you know, they taste yeah. bad, but we need, we need so, them. Yeah, so if you want the freedom to sit down at a piano and play a concerto, yep. It takes years of practice. Now, it is not fun playing scales. It's quite boring for anyone that's learnt music. Yep. It's like running. If you want to run a 100-kilometer race, you've got to do the miles. Yep. And sometimes those training miles on a cold, dark, wet night... They don't all feel good. They don't feel good. No. But if you don't want to hurt <laughs> on the day, yeah. you've got to do it. Actually, so that's, you, that's level two. That's level two. Gotcha. Yep. So then level three is about, hey, it does feel good. Um, it's not good for us. And it's not good for the greater good. It's the packet of chips. It's the packet of chips. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Just love it. You sit down to watch a movie. You can yep. choose you know, some organic popcorn with no salt and no butter. It's watching The Bachelor. <sighs> Even though that doesn't feel good to me at all. Yeah. So no. that's, I don't do it. But for a lot of people, clearly, it makes them feel good. Even yep. though they know it's good, not good for them. It's not helping humanity. Yep. But it's, Absolutely. Their, it's their level three. <laughs> that's the level three. Okay. And level four is it doesn't feel good. It's not good for you uh-huh. and it's not good for the greater good. So that might be it's a series of like taking drugs. Gotcha. You know, there's a point like it might feel good. Picking at a the, fight with a family member. That type of stuff. Gotcha. Procrastination fits in level three and level four, by the way. Right. Because, well, procrastination level sort of, almost level three. Yeah. Because it sort of feels good, especially yeah. if you're doing what you I call... You avoid having to do the thing. Absolutely. Um, I call constructive avoidance. Uh-huh which is really procrastination. Right. It sort of feels good because you're busy. Yes. And you can say, oh yeah, I'm really busy. I'm doing this over here. Distract yourself. But what you're really doing is not doing the thing that you know you need to do. So sure. you know it's not good for you. You know it's not for the greater good because you're not sharing your gift with the world. Right. So procrastination definitely fits into this level three thing. So when we start talking about do we need time underneath, I think we all spend time there. But again, it's a choice. So how long do I spend there? The moment you realize that you're there, is this the type of person you want to be? Is this the type of person you want to hang around? And for those that have kids, 
is this the type of role model you want to be for your kids? Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, so I know this is just a personal thing for me, but legacy is a big thing for me. Yeah. And so it's not so much about the things that I leave behind. So I don't want to necessarily want to leave, you know, a big tower or, you know, a castle in Scotland or that sort of stuff. I want my kids and my grandkids to go, hey, these are the values that my dad set. These are the values that I learned from watching him do the things that he does. These are this is how I treat people because that's how I saw him treat people, and I agree with that. Yeah, and so that can be quite confronting when we all have flaws. We're human, so um, it's about owning your space and being accountable. So moving from below, mm. moving out this whole gossip, talking about people. Yeah, because people will learn eventually that if you don't engage in conversations about other people, then you won't engage in conversations about them. With other people uh, right so take the person then who I like those four levels of thinking by the way but take yeah. the person who lives in level three and four yeah and they challenge. know they are not setting a great example for their kids they know they're not leading their business well they know they're not contributing something of value to the world yeah they're a below-the-line thinker actor yeah and they probably feel disempowered to be able to change that in a lot of cases yeah because they've done it for so long, they can't see a way out of the black hole. Yep. What does that person need to do, other than recognise where they are first of all? Yeah. So they, yep, they need to stop lying to themselves. To okay. start with, they need to make a choice about where they want to be. Are they happy being where they are? And from what you're describing, that they're not happy with what they want to be. So I, th- I believe there are some steps that they can take. Uh, fairly practical steps. So we're not talking about you know going off and meeting the Dalai Lama or spending 12 months in a monastery somewhere. So one of them is about setting intention. So we talk about those transitions through the day. So the first transition is that first thing in the morning. So spend some time doing mindfulness activities. Set your intention for the day. Okay. So meditation has, is now, only now, starting to come through research. I know it's probably you know, three or 4,000 years old in the yogi world. Yeah. Um, and the, the health benefits are clearly there. But now we, you know, have you have universities starting to do research around, hey, what does this give people? What and goes through your head actually matters. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot of highly successful people who are all starting to come out openly now through their podcasts and their YouTube video saying, actually, yeah, I'm not. I start my day with meditation. Mm-hmm. So it's that mindfulness state. And that could be as simple as breathing exercises. Okay. So you don't need to learn how to sit cross-legged. It's about how do we breathe properly? And that sounds pretty obvious because we all breathe to stay alive, but you can breathe or you can breathe. Okay. So learning it comes back to the intention of the breathing. Absolutely, right. intent and, and where we breathe from, whether it's you know, high breath, low breath, you know, like belly breathing and all that sort of stuff. So, And like I said, the intent behind that and just allowing our thoughts to go through, but seeing the intention of where we want to go. The next transition is when we come home from work. So do we shut down from whether we're you know, running a business or whether we're going to a job? When we transition from that back into the family and back into the house, what do we do in that time space? How do you decompress between all the hustle and bustle of being busy at work and all the decisions and all the distractions to being present for mm. those that matter? It's a big jump for a lot of people. It's not, not many people do it well. No. Not many people have actually have ever thought about, I actually need to decompress because what they do, they leave work. For those that catch public transport, they're getting crammed into a train. Yep. Then they're hopping into a, a traffic jam with their cars and people are cutting them off. And by the time they get home, they're stressed. Right. And that's not even including work. That's just the commute home. Yeah. You know, so how do they decompress? By the time they come in, they're ready to meet their children with open arms or meet their spouse with open arms. 
Gotcha. Yeah, without having an argument over the dinner table. Right. So that the practical things come down to what you're actually doing with your intentions on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. yeah. And then I would say part of the big part for me moving from below to above is how we finish the day. So that final transition between awake to bed. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's about setting a gratitude journal. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Gratitude. Yeah. Nothing changes your state of mind better than gratitude, yeah. I think. Yeah, so they say we have 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot. It is, yeah. I wish I could remember half of those. Yeah. Um, but they say the, this, is, this, this is the key, right? So 90% of those are the same as the day before. Ah. So if we're constantly below the line thinking negative things... It's a self-perpetuating cycle. Exactly. Right. And our ego will look for the stuff that we looked for previously. Right. Because it wants to keep us happy and wants to keep us safe. Comfortable. So this is, this is all happening at an unconscious level. Um, so there's, there's a book out called Flow, and I can't pronounce the author's name. It's quite long. Um, and he says we have about 2 million bits of information come through. Mm-hmm. So for our mind to manage that without going to overwhelm, we delete, distort, and generalize. So when we talk about these 60,000 thoughts and 90% are the same as the day before, we're literally deleting the positive stuff out of our life. So unless you start your gratitude journal and start looking for the things to be grateful for, so all the good things that are happening in your life, the ego and the unconscious will literally delete them out. Right. They're not saying that you're not having them, you just won't remember them as much. Or focus on them. You or, won't focus on them. part of your reality. Whereas yeah. the gratitude journal changes that focus. Yeah. And it's sending a signal because you, you should write them by hand. So I'm not saying type them into a tablet or whatever. Physically get a pen and a journal and write them down. There's a cognitive connection between the handwriting yep. and the synapses in the brain going, this is what I now want to focus on. Brings them into the fore. Absolutely. So yep. you're actually rewiring the brain and the synapses in the brain, so creating new, new neural pathways, literally mm-hmm. saying, I now want to focus on positive things. Ah. I now want to focus on the things that I'm doing good for others. So you might be volunteering mm-hmm. and be very grateful for that. So like, for example... Now, today I got the opportunity to work with a group of young leaders. Now, for me, that's a huge privilege. Like some could say, look, that's, that's what you do, mate, that's your job. Well, actually, yeah. it's an honour to be invited to do that because they're trusting me right. to share my experiences and my insights with them. Now, you could have thought about that as, oh, here's another bunch of losers that are getting paid to go in and help, yeah, which absolutely. is a below-the-line thinking. It would be. But it's the same situation. Yep. And you're thinking about it differently as this is an honor and a privilege to help these people because they chose me to do it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how we can distort something and flip it into two completely different meanings? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And you're right. So humans are meaning-making machines. You know, we can have two people in the same family grow up and they'll have different views of the world. Yeah. Completely different views of the world just because of the meaning we attach to certain things. Mm. Great. That's a very interesting insight. So uh, when we're talking about um, above-the-line thinking and below-the-line thinking... We obviously see a lot of people that get trapped into a certain pattern, yeah. but they're not really trapped. No. It's that, and I reckon that's a great distinction you made about the 90% of the thoughts that we have every day are the same ones that we had yesterday. Yeah. And when you start to give that 90% a different kind of balance, some new information to think about, then eventually you can kind of, you can kind of wash the system out yeah. and replace it all. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it takes time and it's habit. So habits um, are very powerful. And it's hard to get to break an old habit without replacing it with a new one. Right. That's um, why so many addicts replace one addiction with another addiction. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, so you're just replacing it with negative thinking with resourceful, positive thinking and, and slowly bringing it across. And look, at, it will take time. There are times when 
you know, I give all of my clients a, a gratitude journal, whether they be a business client or a life life coaching client. And you get some funny looks, I'm sure. I do, especially from you know executives and uh, from business owners. They go, "You want me to do what?" <laughs> but it makes a difference. And you know, normally the first couple, of, the first week it's okay. The second week it starts to drop off. Oh yeah, I'm getting too busy. But you just keep pushing and pushing, and eventually they go, "Hey, this this stuff works," because you can see the shift in their attitude. They're, they're no longer going, "Oh, this is happening. This is bad. That's bad." Oh, I've had some people complain about having too many clients. You go, this is not a bad thing. Again, perception. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and once they become grateful for the small things, mm. and sometimes it is just the small things, like a nice, nice weather in the day, or yeah, you know, you got you got a smile from someone walking down the street. Um, I think it's funny too how the perception to go the positive, to go to the look for the the above the line thinking also creates more resourcefulness for that person. It does. Oh, I've got too many clients to service. Damn. Versus, I've got so many clients to service that my business is growing. I must be doing an amazing job. I need to hire more people. I need to get more resources. I need to make this thing bigger, even bigger than it is now because it's going so well. Yeah, exactly. Same situation. We just flip it one way or another above or below the line. Yeah. Yeah. Based upon what we want to touch, what meaning we want to attach to it. Mm. Yeah, so true. So people are below will, will come up with a negative and those above will go, hey, here's an opportunity and how can I how can I grow this? That's amazing. I love it, Brett. Thank you very much. Most welcome. I'm sure everyone listening to that got a lot of out of, got a lot out of that. I think it's probably one of those episodes you can go back over and pick out a new thing from each time because above and below the line thinking we're all guilty of doing both on any given day of any given week. Um, and I think the more we can be conscious of where we sit on that line above or, or below it, Um, the better we can do in everything we do in day-to-day life. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Sean. Cheers. Well, we made it. Another podcast done. So what did you think of that one? Look, I found it really interesting to actually hear myself being interviewed on my own podcast for that one. But you may have taken away from listening to that that it's this topic that I'm really passionate about. It's such a simple concept, but it's something that impacts all of us on so many levels every day that we live. And the beauty of it being such a simple tool is that you can actually own it and stop lying to yourself about the negative impact that you're having on yourself and those around you. And like I say, for change to occur, you have to call it by its real name. Like a mentor of mine has always said that. And what that really means is that you know, you've really just got to call it for what it is. So if you are being negative, own it. Say, okay, well, that's not serving me. And that's not where I need to be today. And then move yourself forward into that positive mindset and be a more proactive change for good in your world and in your life so look if you've enjoyed that please hit the like button i'd really love it if you could subscribe too and importantly share it with your friends i think this is because it's such a simple tool and a tool that has such a big impact on people that you can change and influence your circle of friends for the better thanks for listening in And we'll catch up next week.